There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America for yet another week. So I'm very, very excited to be with you again. Um, I can't believe it that next week uh, is exactly, next week's show is exactly 10 years uh, since we started. We started on the 3rd of September 2011. Uh, so it's my anniversary. I'm probably looking a little bit older um, after after 10 years, but a lot of... Uh, a lot of great conversations and met a lot of wonderful people. And I'm just so excited to share uh, with you next week you know, some of the insights and the lessons and learnings. And it's going to be a bit of an unusual show next week because uh, I've got a, a group of guests who are going to come along. I think there's about seven of them, I think. And they're going to ask me the questions. So they want to focus on me. They've all been working away. I've not seen what they're going to ask me. They're all working together to, uh, to come up with different questions uh, to uh, to find out what's um, you know what what's been learned, what have been the insights and the the reflections, and uh, I don't know what else they're gonna gonna want to discover, but uh, I'll leave that with them. But we've got um, past guest Stephen Morris, who um, author of the Beautiful Business and top sort of marketing guru. There was Mike Mooney, who was one of the, a vice president of NASCAR and is now a chief marketing officer of one of the biggest organic farms in North America. There's a three times best selling author Elizabeth Vingberg Hearn. Um, we've also got next week, um, there's, uh, well, there's a whole plethora. I can't even remember now who's, uh, who's coming along, but so uh, we've got a good, good, good group. So please join us uh, next week for that. Um, last week's show, I, um, actually repeated a show. I was due to have a holiday. Then my family caught COVID, so it didn't quite happen. Um, but they're all well now, I'm pleased to say. And, uh, we had, um, Judy Robinette and I repeated the show with her on Wisdom Judy has just been, you know, over the years, she's been a, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic person, really, to know in my network. She's probably the most connected person I've ever met in my life, actually. Um, I think the first time I met her, she'd had dinner at Buckingham Palace, the White House, the Palace of Serbia. Um, she got some amazing, amazing um, clients around the globe. And, uh, and she started connecting with me with a whole host of fantastic fantastic guests. We recently had Lara Steen, who, who founded TEDx, and uh, various other guests. So um, I've really loved uh, Judy, actually, and we've had some great conversations. I repeated a show with her that I did a few uh, months ago on Wisdom, which went down really, really well. So very wise soul. It was a great conversation. If you've not listened to that show, do go into the archive. And then the week before, Christian Espinosa. Uh, Christian was talking about um, the smartest person in the room and uh, how you need to help really smart people to be great leaders, which was a fantastic conversation as well. So to my guest today, um, Howard Shaw. Uh, great to have Howard on the show. And uh, for anybody who's listening to this on the video version that we'll put out a little bit later, you'll be able to see him, um, see him now in his office at the moment. Um, but Howard is a fascinating man. He's, um, he, he really identified that companies were, 
were losing millions, billions of uh, revenue and opportunity for acting like a leaky bucket. And that's uh, something he's become very well known for. Um, he, he is the, um, the founder of Activate, uh, Activate Group Inc. Um, he's and the CEO. He's a best-selling author. He's a serial entrepreneur. And he specializes specifically in liberating C-suite teams from the barriers that are holding them back personally and professionally. Um, he's got some amazing clients, um, family-owned businesses, multinationals, public, private sector, and they tend to range from a million dollars to over a billion dollars in annual revenue. He's a member of the National Speakers Association, and, and his talks cover employee empowerment, cash flow enhancement, human capital management, entrepreneurial freedom, business growth, uh, you name it, Howard's uh, a man who can who can cover it, uh, cover it really well. So big welcome today uh, to my guest, going to talk about plugging those leaks in uh, your business bucket. A big welcome to Howard Shaw. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for having me. And congratulations on a, you know, in, in this stratosphere of what you guys are doing, 10 years is a big milestone. So, you know, kudos to you for getting in early, sticking with it, and having so much success. Yeah, thank, thank, thank you very much. And I think you're yeah, sticking with it is, uh, I think it's probably the thing I'm the proudest of actually, sticking with it, because it's very easy to keep a strategy going for a short period of time, isn't it? But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's easy to, easy to, easy to stop, but actually I'm quite proud of managed to continue for, for 10 years and, uh, and, and gain a lot um, of value in terms of being able to help. My, my aim with it was to help over a million people beyond, beyond my client base. And that's what I'm you know really proud of. It was about giving back really. Um, and, uh, We've, I think we've had over two, three million people, different people have accessed the show over the years. So it's great. So, but I'm more interested in finding about you, actually. Um, so whereabouts are you, US? So I'm actually based in Miami, Florida. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice place to be, Florida. It, oh. it is. Um, actually, ironically, I'm, I think everybody's moving in the same direction. If you believe in this global warming thing, you would think people would be leaving Florida, but our population just here in Miami grew over 10% in the last year, which, which I know the reasons why they're doing it in the short term, but the long term, it's kind of backwards, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, um, I, I, I mean the thing I heard about um, on the news of late around Florida, is that, that was that apartment block that collapsed. Yeah. Was that near you? Did that affect you? Unfortunately, horrendous. that's not the thing that we want to be known for no. right now of having, you know, one of the worst uh, property disasters, you know, in, in U.S. history. But not near me, didn't affect me, felt very fortunate that I didn't know anybody in that building. But, man, there's some great things going down here in Miami with all that mass migration. Um, we've really, uh, we've created a lot of unicorn companies over the last several years and a lot of technology companies and some great, great businesses have moved here in the last 12 months, so it's booming here. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. So even despite covid you've had a you're seeing expansion at the moment yeah so as you know i do have ownership in a number of businesses and and everything's just taken off and including activate group so we we can't complain at all fantastic fantastic so tell, tell us a little bit about your background because um one of the things i i read about you if you don't mind us talking talking about it is that you you were you know as a a child you became aware that you had things like ADHD and dyslexia, um, sleep apnea, uh, and you know these these are issues. My own son suffers with some of these too. Or I say suffer he he um, he has them, 
and, and as a parent will work with them. I mean, how was life like you for you growing up as a young age and so you've become very successful? Well, ironically, if you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, you'll hear similar stories. It, it, you know, they're, they're, they didn't look like heroes growing up and then all of a sudden, you know, here they were. I mean, there's a few of those, but most of us are average Joes and, and, and you know, through trials and tribulations became who we were. But if you go back, I mean, if you go back to early childhood, thank goodness for my mom. Uh, I... Uh, I think it was like elementary, getting in elementary school, they had some sort of testing you had to go through and they were going to put me in a special education. And the main reason was, is first of all, you couldn't get me to sit down for two seconds uh, mm -hmm. and you couldn't get me to pay attention to anything. And that was the ADHD. And then the other problem, which we didn't know at that moment, was I had dyslexia. So they'd want me to read something and even though I can comprehend it, I was seeing things backwards. So they were going to put me in a special ed and my mom's like, no, you've got this wrong. This, this, uh, I know my boy can do and I'm sure every mom says that, but this is a sharp kid. He may need a little bit different environment and thank God she advocated on my behalf because I think if I went down the special ed path, my journey may have turned out very, very different. And, um, and, and then when you fast forward, I mean, I used to fall asleep constantly in class I can't tell you how many times I was in detention because I would uncontrollably fall asleep and it wasn't because I was staying up all night partying or, or I was bored of the teacher that was the sleep apnea all the way back then where man within seconds of my feeling tired I was out and so you can imagine my grades were not great um I spent more time when I was in classes where the window you could see outside looking out the window than paying attention to the teacher I'm like oh squirrel Oh, dog, uh, not, not teacher. So uh, fast forward, thank God, I, I personally learned how to control all of that so that I could pay attention, got my college degrees. I, uh, you know, I was one of those people that my parents even talked me out of going to college in the beginning and then finally like, you're wrong. Uh, I can do this. I know I can do it. Forget about my past grades. I can do college and I went on and I got, I became a CPA, passed the exam the first time. I, I had really good grades by the time I was in, you know, uh, in a master's. I went to Harvard and University of Chicago for advanced education. And so if you looked at my history and you judged me, you know, based on these idiosyncrasies, I would have never gotten there. And then, you know, you fast forward and I've created over a billion dollars worth of value. And I'm like, that's crazy. How did that happen? If you kind of look back. And, and so I think part of that is we, we talked a little bit about your discipline of sticking with it. One thing I will guarantee you is, is I've always gotten to where I am because I'll work three times harder than everybody else. And, um, and sometimes I will climb the wrong mountain and I have to realize I'm going up the wrong mountain. But man, once I decide I'm climbing, I'm going. Mm. And what, um, I mean, you, mum was obviously a kind of a, a catalyst, but you say you learnt to overcome those, ur those urges. You know, you learnt to, to stay focused. You learnt to, you know, to study. I'm, I'm just sort of interested. How, how did you move? You know, I see, you know, I see my own, my own son. He's, he's, he's very bright and he's kind of masked this, but he, but you know, he's very easily distracted and he, he when he reads it's jumbled and he, so he doesn't like to read. And, and I'm just kind of intrigued. How did you manage to make that adjustment? So it's like anything else. It, it, first of all, you have to be really aware. And then I think where a lot of people get into trouble is they just use it as a crutch. Yeah. Sort of like, I have this problem, accept me as I am, and, and then mm. they go along and, and havoc entails, right? Yeah. So 
I don't know what triggered in me, but I just decided one day I can conquer this. And by the way, I recently, I had uh, stage three kidney disease and the doctors are like, well, now you just got to control your diet and all that because it's just downhill from here. I said, baloney. And I found out what supplements to take, uh, how I can change my eating habits. And now I'm now not stage three anymore. I've now moved up to stage two, which is actually considered normal. So I think with anything we want to change, you've just got to have this discipline. And they can't see right now, but I, I have all these little squeeze toys and fidget things. And you'll usually see me walking around in every meeting with something. Because when I'm actively doing something with my hands, it allows my brain to focus more. Uh, and then I try to create some environmental factors uh, that keep me focused. But what I will tell you is people with ADD have this amazing ability that when they're interested in something, they can hyper-focus. And when they hyper-focus, stay out of their way because it can get scary if you try to break that focus. So they have, even if you have ADD, you have the ability to focus. The same thing with dyslexia. Uh, I remember going through every single day, they send me for like an half an hour every day to watch these things to help me start helping my eyes relearn how to look at things. So does it crop up once in a while? Certainly it does, but it's, it's no longer a detriment other than I read probably a lot slower than most people. And then with the AD and D I'll hear, I'll read something or I'll listen in on a book and then my mind will start thinking about using it. And then, you know, it's like two pages ahead and I'm like, um, all right, I need to go back and then I recommit to focus. And uh, by committing to focus, recognizing I'm not focused and that I want to be focused in there, it helps. Yeah. Well, what's um, um, Richard Branson's known to be dyslexic? Many, as you say, many entrepreneurs um, have, uh, you know, have, have these, um, I'm going to say label, but it's, you know, it's, you know, you know what, you know what I mean? It's um, what, what is it that do you think has through the way their minds work what is it that leads to significant success when it comes to entrepreneurialism, do you think? One thing is going to be hard, but I think it's a, there's a couple of things you see about entrepreneurs that are consistent. And first of all, the great entrepreneurs have vision. So they see what's possible and they see what's missing. Yes. And then they have this dogged determination. And actually this can be a disease that gets me in trouble sometimes is the minute somebody says, I can't, and I think this is most entrepreneurs are like, screw you. Yes, yeah. I can, and I will. Yes. And it's with that, so everything starts in your head. Be careful what you tell yourself because it, it, it'll change your outcomes for better or worse. So I think what they have the ability to do is manage their brain in such a way that it allows them to push through things that other people won't because they, other people tend to spend more time thinking about why you can't, what the challenges are, and they start building up all this stuff in their head about what's impossible. And I think the great entrepreneurs, they just always see what's possible. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my son's going to be, will, will be a professional footballer and he will be a successful entrepreneur. He's, he's, like, he's black and white like that. So it's interesting, isn't it? Yes, it is. That, that can be a gift not to have all of that angst. <laughs> so, to, so to tell us, um, you, you obviously went um, to college and uh, you were very successful with, with Harvard, etc. How did you come to do what you're doing now? So it, it comes to a, a, a two parts, right? So with wisdom comes to what you wind up doing next, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I got to, I owned my first business when I was 18. I sold it when I was 21. 
Uh, I then was fortunate that I had some really great opportunities to work in three Fortune 500 companies where I eventually was the head of strategy for one of those companies and implemented strategy in a $20 billion company as well, where I was in charge of, of, of quite a bit of um, things. And through those experiences, I kind of knew there was a better way to do things. And, uh, and it's not there's a right and a wrong way, but there's a better way to do things. So we get a more return on our energy as individuals, as companies, and so forth. And man, I saw so much waste, what I call the leaky bucket, around me. I'm like, everybody's so busy chasing new and they've got so much right in front of them that they're just squandering. And so that got me excited. And, and when I looked through time, everything I ever touched, um, and I'm not going to take credit for making it all happen, but everything I ever touched, uh, productivity went through the roof, uh, uh, accomplishments went up to whole new levels. And I realized I was very good at change, but it wasn't my doing. I was working three times harder than everybody else. It was my perseverance to drive everybody to see what was possible, to get them to shift thinking just enough, and then create that encouragement where we all as a team would go after it. And so I realized my true talent wasn't being the head of strategy or, or, or being a facilitator of meetings or anything like that. It was really creating extraordinary change. And then all, I fell into being a coach, to be honest with you. I realized... I didn't want to work for anybody anymore, that I was much happier as an entrepreneur. And then I realized, you know, I was on track, people said, to be CEO of, you know, the billion-dollar companies, and it didn't, that didn't light my fire. Uh, you talked about earlier, how do I impact a million people? You know, I want to impact 10 million people. Mm. And I wanted to do it in a way where I can just unlock this untapped potential of everyone I met. And then I learned about this coaching thing. And I'm like, well, let me check this thing out. I was like, I don't want to be a consultant because I hired a lot of those when, when I was inside corporate and I, it just, it wasn't as, as um, was not always the, the best experiences mm -hmm. and it was never long lasting. It was always transactional and I wanted to do something transformational and honest, then I got all the certifications, started playing around with it, the shoe fit and, and I didn't stop running. Excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now and after the break, we'll find out more about, uh, about, about change and the leaky bucket and the, the areas you identified where um, you know, lots of losses are occurring um, versus the energy that's put in. Uh, and uh, so if you're listening to this, I will take out a piece of paper, uh, have a think about your business or um, the company you work for and uh, pick up some ideas and think about uh, two or three things that you can go away and implement. We're we'll back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Howard Shaw and we're talking about, we've been talking about Howard's Howard's background and his, his experience growing up and his focus and fact he was putting in three times more effort than uh, than a lot of people um which i think is a really you know really thought-provoking point you know how we're we using our time well how we to enable us to to make a difference um so howard I, i'm sort of intrigued you obviously you worked with um with some very big organizations and you chose i can, I can see some parallels myself in terms of of career and making that choice to uh, to go and help help companies rather than from the outside rather than be it sitting in there what um what are sort of areas did you notice that people were were leaking um leaking um money um, when it came to on leaking um the opportunity for greater value in return through the energy that was being put in so, so the first thing and, and i just went through this with the ceo yesterday is most people are managing their businesses through their financial statements. And by the way, this sounds funny from a recovering CPA, but one of the things I realized was, you know, accounting only captures transactions. Mm -hmm. They don't capture poor leadership. They don't capture the things we didn't do or that we did wrong. It doesn't measure that. It just measures the money coming in and money going out. And as long as there's a receipt that goes along with it, it goes into your accounting. What I, what I really uh, started focusing on is what is not happening? And if we did address those things, these numbers would be far bigger. Uh, so, you know, there's only seven ways for you to improve cash in your business. You can either increase volume, uh, you can increase price. So that's your revenue number. There's only two ways you can move your revenue. And then when you look at your, your margin, margin is a percentage of revenue, well, if you, if you increase that margin for every dollar you bring in, now, now I've got more, right? And then your overhead, is your overhead growing at a, a rate slower, hopefully, than revenue growth? And in most companies, that's not happening. That's all you can do in your P&L is to figure out how to manage that percentage and, and, and those other numbers that I shared. And then you look on your balance sheet is, you know, how fast am I you know, collecting receivables? Uh, am I leveraging payables in a way 
that I'm getting free financing. And, uh, and then lastly, for companies that have inventory or work in process and construction is how fast are we churning that inventory or are we carrying too much? And so I realized that there, we needed to move those seven layers and that was the only way to improve cash. And I, I started asking, so why doesn't it move? I said, well, you know, I just got off the phone with, with a company, uh, with the CEO, and he's, uh, he's not growing. He hasn't grown in the last several years. And his problem wasn't execution. He executes really, really well. His problem is he's offering a product that the market really doesn't care for mm-hmm. or they don't need much of, and it's a declining market. And so unless he comes up with a better strategy of what to offer the market, he's still going to struggle to grow. So that volume will not increase. Right. And and some of the other examples of where, you know, things that I think everybody can relate to. And I think where your biggest leaks are actually in people. So uh, and you and I, Chris, were talking before the call about some of our clients reluctances to raise payroll. So they're stuck. But, you know, should I pay somebody ten dollars an hour? God, they want twelve dollars an hour now. I'm not going to do it. And then we start doing calculations because you hired no one because you were upset about the $2 an hour, how much revenue uh, and, and then more important profit did you lose last month because you're open positions? I just did this with a client. They're only, a, they're, they're below 10 million. They lost a million dollars last quarter because they didn't hire fast enough. And ironically, what we find out is, is when we hire the right people, and we pay them right and all that, they do two to three times the productivity of the average people, the people you want your competitors to have. Mm. And when you do get two to three times the, uh, the performance out of the people that you hire, well, guess what? Even though you may have given them 50 or 60% more payroll, which some of our clients do, their payroll as a percentage of revenue many times is the same or lower than the people that pay far less. And it's because they demand productivity. So we realize that companies are not looking at labor properly and it's, and they're not hiring fast enough. So we've had a number of clients complaining about the labor market right now that they can't hire enough people. And then when I ask them, okay, so who do you have on your team that their sole job full-time right now is finding employees? The answer to some of these companies are none or, Hey, I have to hire 50 people. And I've only got one person focusing on this full time. And then everybody else is overwhelmed. They're expecting those people to be recruiters when they're drowning because we don't have enough people. So no one is recruiting. And they're like, but we can't find anybody. And recruiting, by the way, is not placing an ad on the internet and hoping and praying. It's actually recruiting, going out, dragging people to the door. And so to a lot of the people here is your failure in a function such as recruiting is causing your revenue not to be high enough, your profit to be too low, and you just have to solve that problem. You know, other systems that people are lacking in are are things like we use these fancy words like accountability, right? We're an accountable organization. And then you'll ask people, okay, so what is the measure for peak performance in, and then you'll just name a role in the company or like, I don't know, I haven't thought about that. But he produces really well. Based on what? What is the leading indicator that tells us that person's at peak performance rather than average performance? And then how does that person's KPI compare to everybody else's? And then are you holding them to peak performance or some arbitrary budget that you created because you didn't think about the inputs that create the outputs? And so these are the things that are the leaks that I found 
are right before our eyes and we know we ought to do them, but we're so busy working in the business, delivering the product or service that we don't work on the business and on being great leaders. Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'm smiling because there's a conversation uh, conversation I have often. In fact, I had it, had it was having that with clients yesterday and the day before about working on rather than working on rather than in. I think um, that, that recruitment piece as well is, you know, I see people being very, often with recruitment, very knee-jerk. They're, uh, you know, they, they have a need for somebody quickly. They'll hire quick because there's a whole, rather than having a, a longest-term strategy around recruitment and meeting people, you know, meeting people for a coffee who maybe are still in the job and they're not kind of quite ready to move yet, but just, just starting to, you know, build up a whole kind of network, a community of possible people for when a vacancy becomes available and then sort of playing on to your point to your point too about paying people more is I think where you you have a higher level of um, of talent because you pay more that becomes more attractive for people to want to join and the culture enhances as well um, I used to join work for Mars the the confectionery and and uh, electronics uh, business and the quality of people there was so high they paid a bit paid a bit more for them that uh, it was so attractive to get in they could have seven stages to their recruitment process uh, because uh, they had so many candidates who wanted to join you know I, I think that's the key and there's two things here just raising the payroll amount doesn't solve the problem right so if you're not very good at being able to see the difference between the people that are going to give you the three times the productivity versus the one that's not, then you're just going to destroy your profitability. But the key is, you know, how, and if you go into a room of a bunch of leaders and ask them to raise their hand, how many of you have actually been through formal training on how to interview? The answer is going to be not, you know, maybe 10, 20% of the people in the room. So it's amateur hour. And then what they've done through trial and error is try to teach themselves to be better at it. But at the end of the day, their only reference point was, well, I sucked last time, so I'm going to do better this time, rather than there are best practices out there on how to do that. Are you using assessment tools? Are you doing these different things to pick them? But what I will say is we have companies across the firm in the same industry, and we'll get one company uh, that will say, I have to hire two people, and they can't do it. And in the same industry, we got another client hiring 50 yeah. in the same period. So who's wrong, right? The one company, just like they do for every other facet of their business and their products and services, realized that they had to become grandmasters at building an awesome team and constantly building it. And when they talk about massive exodus, they, they have the only turnover, the one that did the 50 in the same period of time was the ones they rejected in the first 30 to 60 days because they were not one of them. Yeah. And they could see right out of the gate they were not going to get excellent productivity. And because they have high confidence in their ability to recruit, they can get rid of those people quickly. Yes. Yeah. Makes a huge, uh, huge lot of sense. I, I, you know, I utilize a lot of those, a lot of assessment tools with clients and we can, you know, have examples where we've saved huge sums of money where they were going to take a take on a hire and was actually you know they're, they're inappropriate for the role uh, and it would have been a really costly mistake so just putting that extra step in the process and then also clients who who will recruit people just because they get on with them when they meet them but it may be that they're completely unsuitable in nature and flow for the type of role um 
you know, just because they because they had a good coffee and a good chat, because they were like them. Uh, and uh, often, you know, for different types of roles, we need different types of people, often very different to the person who's recruiting. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating situation. So how do you, um, I could talk about people all day, but you also talk about people having huge leaks when it comes to strategy. Where are the, um, where, where are the leaks when it comes to strategy? So first of all, the, the, the first leak is your definition of what strategy is. Too many leaders are confusing operational effectiveness with strategy. And, and don't get me wrong, we need to be effective. We need to be great at whatever we're delivering, and we need to push for that, but that's not strategy. So strategy is you know, basically choosing a different set of activities to provide a unique value proposition for a particular group of people. And it's through that uniqueness that allows you to play in a different dimension that changes your growth rate. But it's also your, your thought process of going through your business model. So, so I'll give you a couple quick examples. Um, we have a client uh, in, the, in, in the SaaS space, and uh, it's taken them 15 years to get to $5 million. We just shifted what they're going to do, and it looks like over the next 12 months we're going to get to $50 million. And the key to what's causing that is uh, I just wrote a blog article about are you trying to sell uh, an apple to people that want chocolate? Mm -hmm. And so the problem was is they looked at a pyramid of their product offering and they just leapfrogged past the base offering of what they can offer customers, but that's what people were buying in the market. They looked down on that because they were like, it really doesn't add a lot of value for our customers. It doesn't crush it, but they ignored the fact that the market was looking for that, and if they could just get in the door with the base offering, then they can upsell through you know the different levels of offering in their software. And you know, imagine this: you go in this, you go to a supermarket, and uh, and and you're like, "Hey, I want chocolate," and and you're like the the proprietor, and you're like, um, "Ignore the chocolate. Come on over here. I want to show you an apple." You're going to be like, "Well, do you have any chocolate?" And, and because you want to sell the other thing, many of you, you're going to say, no, I don't. Come over here and talk about the apple. Well, they're going to be like, bye. They're going to leave. Now, if I put a whole shelf of chocolate in the back or a whole big area of chocolate in the back of the supermarket, and I'm like, yes, sir, you know, we got lots of choices for chocolate. So go in the back for the chocolate. Now, after they've found the chocolate, and they're walking up and down the aisles. Now they may walk across that apple and say, you know, that's kind of interesting. Now that I have good chocolate, maybe I will buy an apple. But too often what I'm finding is, is companies are ignoring the market. They're ignoring what people say they want, and they're really, really stubborn on just, hey, the market's wrong, so we're going to sell them what we want. And yes, there, there are opportunities to shift market. Uber was a great example. Airbnb was a great example. These are the things where there was a space, but the demand already existed and wasn't being filled. Yes. So when they offered the new offering in the market, everybody was like, thank God, we've been waiting for this. I don't want to spend $300 a night for four hotel rooms. I would rather get a house, right? Um, and by the way, I don't want to eat out every night. And, you know, if you give me a kitchen and I've got a family of five, this is going to be freaking awesome, right? I can travel more and we can do more things with more people. So the, the challenge I see to everybody is, You've got to really understand the market and, and then serve the market and figure out where other people are missing. The other thing that I see is a common mistake. When we do different 
and provide different tools and ask questions about competition and how our client lays out against the competition, they just make crap up. It's just total garbage. They just start filling in boxes and all that. How do you know that? Yeah, it's, it's my gut. I just know we're better than the competition at X, or I know we're better at Y, or they suck at Y. Well, based on what? Because you stole one customer? Because they screwed up one time? You're certain they do that wrong for all their customers? And many cases, when they're talking about their competition, their competition is 10 times their size, and they're like, they suck. Like, you're missing something here. You don't know your competition. You don't know how the buyers are going through the market. And by understanding these things, you can now create, an, and I coach basketball, you, you've got to know the players on the, on the other side of the court, and you've got to figure out how we're going to maneuver and actually maybe avoid those players to get to the basket easier, mm. right? So, and then we've also got to come up with strategies to know how we're going to defend when they come at us because as soon as you go at them, they're coming back at you. Business is exactly that same way, and too many people are not getting out of the office. One of my favorite learnings as I grew up as an entrepreneur was learning about what Sam Walton did four out of five days a week. All right, uh, One day a week, he had his meeting with his leadership team. The other four days, he was shopping his own stores and his competition, and then in his Monday meetings, he would talk with the leadership team about what he saw. Too many people... Their only view of the market is serving their customer. That yeah. is not the right view. You've really got to get in and you've got to shop the competition. Yeah. Yeah. Makes an enormous amount of sense. Yeah. Not because you can, you can be spending a huge amount of time going in, in, the, in the wrong direction, can't you? That's, and that's wasting all the energy of your resources and your people and the infrastructure of your business. But uh, a repositioning based upon what people need and understanding what they need and how you benefit versus the competition can do what you just articulated there and massively, you know, 10 times increase the turnover of a company. And going back to, uh, let's just take that SaaS company again. So they, so I, I implored them to go out and, and, and actually get a chance to use their competitor software. They came back a week later stunned that there were things that their, soft, their competitor software was doing that they didn't even realize because they were not paying attention. And they realized to play that the way they wanted to play, there were some moves they can make that those people were missing. And they realized for table stakes, there were certain things they needed to do that their competition was already doing. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. We're going to go to commercial break again now. And then after the break, we'll look at some other areas where we've, um, we have leaks. And I think you identify areas like execution. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll look at execution, I think, and the best ways to then go about plugging these leaks in your, your business system. So I'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Howard Shaw. We're talking about those those leaks that uh, organisations have, um, where they can be, you know, losing all sorts of opportunity, financial opportunity, um, to generate a, a you know better return on investment and be more successful. I mean, we, we're talking obviously about money here as, a, a lot as well. And uh, Howard, and I'm just just interested a, a little bit on your perspective with this, and you know, money obviously and increasing money and uh it's, it's very sort of capitalistic you know what's your what's your what's your view on this because you know one of the challenges that sort of leveled at capitalism is it's growth 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 and uh what we're doing is we're utilizing all of the, the world's resources by by doing it um is is, is this all about money or what, no. what is it for you money is the result of doing something very impactful uh, yeah. in whatever you do and uh, now, let, let's not, and to anybody who's an entrepreneur here, I'm a heat-seeking missile for money, and I'm always trying to figure out how to build wealth. However, it's not at the sacrifice of anything, at least in what I do and, and what I've chosen to do. Uh, but the people that have the highest growth, the, 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 the biggest businesses, the most profitable businesses, um, whatever it is, whatever their product or service is, I guarantee you they're having high impact. And it's trying to figure out how to have a higher level of impact and, and do that better than anybody else uh, that it allows you to have that wealth. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so ultimately what we can, uh, Im- impact can be, can be, you know, involve business for good too, you know, you can impact in areas that, uh, because I, I think we're kind of at a, an interesting, very um, key point in the world at the moment, aren't we? With, uh, with um, you know, issues around climate change and sustainability and the speed of technology and all those sorts of things. And there's a need to, to I think, to ensure that, uh, you know, where we focus our attention does contribute to the greater good. Agreed, agreed. And, you know, for some folks listening to this, I, I know some of this sounds fluffy and you're like, you know, I... I make X widget, and so because I do that, you know, this, this, this whole, you know, helping the world thing, it just doesn't work for me. It can, and you just have to figure out your lens of, you know, what you're going to do in, in a certain way. And because let's be honest, our, our employees, are, are, they're not excited getting up every morning trying to figure out how to make us more money. Yeah. Not at all. So if, if that's your vision is just make lots of money, um, you know, Sad to say that's not going to get anybody excited. And at the end of the day, you're still going to have to do something impactful for that to happen, yeah. uh, period, and, and end of day. Yeah. 
Uh, so, so I know you wanted to move us towards that that execution thing, right? Yeah, so, I do. Yeah, no, it's exa- exactly. We're just that's where we're going to go to now. So, t- tell us about execution and where that uh, can you know fall down for people. So, so first of all, let's be clear. Just like I was with strategy, I think if you don't, you know, if we don't have a common language on what we mean by strategy. Uh, then it, it, it's going to take us down a different rabbit hole. So when I think about execution, you know, I think about the three major tools that we use to drive, you know, excellence in our company, the three major tools that we, we use to drive peak performance. And you, you start with priorities. Uh, you have meetings to discuss things, and you have metrics to measure, yeah. right? And how we bring those three things together, um, how well we communicate, how well we stay focused and, and make sure we're focused on the right things and what measures we're using to make sure that we're on track and, 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 and doing the best we can uh, will determine how well your organization executes. So we've all seen it, people working, you know, 80 hours a week but not accomplishing very much. And many times their bosses will say, man, that person is loyal, they'll do whatever I ask them to do and they'll, you know, they, they never question anything. The problem is, is what if that person could produce the same thing they did in 80 hours and 20? Why wouldn't you figure that out? So many entrepreneurs, many people that confuse activity with productivity, you know, don't spend enough time planning before they run. They just get up every morning, run as fast as they can, go from fire to fire, and then try to figure it out. What, what I figured out is, and by the way, my DNA coding is not to go through long planning processes and try to figure out every detail. I'm a visionary, right? And filling out forms and CRMs and all that other kind of stuff violates my whole behavioral profile. But I figured out that routine would set me free and that the better I, I figured out up front what I needed to do and then course correct is the metrics didn't show up the way I wanted, things didn't turn out, but I had a basic premise of what I was doing. The clearer that was, the better I did. And the clearer I could make that for everyone else was important. So so let's just start with priorities. So if you ask leaders what they're not going to do this quarter, you're going to get little to no list. You ask them what they want to do, and you usually get like 100 things. The great leader will say, listen, I have 100 things I could do. I must get these two or three things done this quarter. Yeah. And then that great leader will then make sure that everybody all the way down the front lines knows what those three things are. Yeah. So let's say I've got 100 employees. Would I want only 10 people focused on my biggest thing or would I want 100 people focused on my biggest thing? And what happens to many leaders is they put all the monkey on their back to work on that big thing or, or a few of the people, but it really takes the army to get it done. So making sure that not only have you narrowed it down to a few really big things and getting very good at that um, is one thing. But the second one is how do you communicate that? So just coming up with a few priorities and telling people once is not good enough. you got to talk about it every week. This is what we're working on. This is our, our progress to this week's date. This is what's going on. And this is how you contribute. And when people are off course, hey, we said we're doing this. Why are we talking about that? And that's where your meeting rhythms are really important. You know, talking about it in daily huddles, talking about it in weekly meetings, uh, talking about it in your monthly meetings. What you talk about should be directly surrounding and linked to what you said your top two or three things should be. And most times when I sit in those meetings, 
We talk about a lot of things, but it doesn't move the three big needles that people said they were going to move. Yeah. And then when it's not moving, so let's get to the metrics. I can't tell you how many companies it got into, and they've got lots of metrics. Some have none. That's a different problem. But they have lots of metrics. And I'm like, great. So you have this KPI is, you know, number of days it, it, it takes to close a transaction. Or, you know, number of days it takes to flip a property or whatever your business is in, right? Great. So when, what, is your, what is your goal for that, that leading indicator that will get you the revenue you want? Well, as fast as we can do it. Well, that's not specific enough. That's not clear enough. What should be the standard? And then how do we keep raising that standard through productivity? And so what a lot of people confuse is how to use metrics. It's not about the number. It's about the dialogue around the number. Mm. So let's take uh, one of the things we measure is employee engagement. So one of my clients just recently came to me and says, so what engagement sure should I, 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 I go after? I said, you know what? It doesn't matter. So what do you mean it doesn't matter? What I want you to do is I want you to, to set some targets and then watch it every month and then understand why it either exceeds what you thought it should be or why, because it moves around every month. So what I want you to do is start trying to understand why it's moving. And then I want you to keep asking your team and getting feedback from your employees to understand how you could move it. Yes, you can set a lofty target, but at the end of the day, when you miss a number, that's actually a gift. But it's not a gift if you ignore the fact that you had red, yellow, green, and you hit red, that you didn't stop and change your action plans. You know, we've all heard the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. So if I have a metric and I set a target, well, the first question might be, you know, was there any substance to my target? The answer normally is no. I pulled it out of my butt. I heard somebody else out there hit this number, so we should hit this number. That's not a good way to set a target. The next thing we have to figure out is once we know the target should be doable, we should know from whence we're starting, to where we want to be and how long is it going to get for you to close that gap? It's not going to be week one. So where should you be after week one? Where should you be after week two and week three? And then measure against that. And then look at the actions that you're actually taking that are different from before that'll actually move that metric. So now I'm linking the priorities, what you said you must do, to move the metric. And so too often, there's a disconnect between the actions that people are taking in your company, the metrics you want to change, and the priorities you said you have. Mm. And then the next thing is who owns each one of those? Who, who is the sole owner of a metric? So we'll say take sales. How many companies you go into? And it's like, well, we all own sales. Baloney. One, only one person can be accountable for that. A lot of people may have responsibilities related to it, but who falls on the sword and who should get fired if we don't hit that number? Right? Who should be in the hot seat frying in front of the rest of the leadership team if we don't hit a certain number? And we should have that for every single key process in our company. We should have that for every key uh, measure that shows whether we're delivering to our customer. And every employee should have one to two measures. And then they need to see their measures. So, so often we're measuring stuff, but the person that has responsibility, has comp accountability doesn't see it until it's too late. You need to keep these things in front of them constantly. It's, it's like going to a ball game um, or, you know, you're driving in your car. Well, you, you need to see the fuel gauge. All right. If the fuel gauge is almost unempty, I want to know that before it's empty. 
Yeah. So if there's no gauge for me as the person that ha- is accountable for filling the tank, I'll never fill the tank. Yeah. Yeah. L- lots, lots to think about. Lots to think about. And um, yeah, I'm just kind of look, looking at the time now. We've, uh, we've not got a lot long left, really. So what's, um, what's, what's next? For, well, I think I'd probably better ask you, what's, have you got any final messages now to, to leave us with, really? So a couple of key final messages is no matter what your performance today is, there's another gear. Uh, I've hired quite a number of coaches for myself over the years. I have one right now. And uh, one of the things I found by hiring a coach for myself is they got me to do things that I wouldn't do to myself. So one thing I will tell people is know there's another gear, there's another level of performance. And if you engage the right people, they will push you to a higher level than you ever imagined. This may sound self-promoting, but uh, for any of you that have gone to a gym, I've heard hired a personal trainer. I've been working out since I was 13. I'm 56. I have never been in better shape than when I had the personal trainer because that person would make me do things like burpees and, and, and these other insane things that I would never do for myself. And then they would make me, so if I would make myself do 10 curls, they're like, no, you got to do curls for 60 minutes. It's the same thing in your business. Get somebody to push each one of your leaders to whatever that next gear is and to make sure, because I'm going to tell you, the biggest thing I think that is going to affect you is that you may stop playing to win or you may, you may get complacent because of past success. And you need to keep that hunger and that desire and that awareness that there's always this next gear. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. Um, it's been great talking to you. Thank you. And uh, I think lots of, lots of ideas and thoughts and uh, just great common sense, really, when it comes to um, elevating your business and through, um, you know, filling all of those, um, those leaky holes in your business. And I, I completely get that point, you know, Howard, you know, hiring, having people to support you, to shift you to another gear. So if you want to find out more about, um, about Howard and his work, you can go to howardshaw.com. You can also activate groupimp.com. Is that the other one? Actually, the first one is howardmshore.com. Howardmshore.com, okay. Yeah, otherwise you'll wind up with a different Howard Shore. Okay. And then it, it's, it's, it's activategroupinc.com, yes. Yeah, f- fantastic. So uh, once again, it's been a huge pleasure talking to you today. It's been really, really good. Um, on next week's show, well, next week's show is this unusual one that I mentioned whereby I'm going to be put on the spot really to share my reflections and thoughts over the last 10 years of hosting this this show so you know please do do join that please do uh, you know, work really gratefully you share that let people know about it um it's quite a milestone for me it's been a lot of a lot of work and there's a wonderful community that's been developing as a consequence for it and you know for me 10 years of doing this it's it was initially about a personal a personal goal but it's become much more in terms of how can how can we and the guests and the people that I've interviewed come together now to, to um, create a better world, to so- solve some of these um, problems and challenges that we all face uh, on, the, on, the, on the planet, really? How can we inspire more of that and help people to step up and grow and uh, make a bigger difference and, uh, and a bigger contribution? And uh, you may hear a little bit more about that, uh, about that next week. So do join us next week. Once again, enormous um, pleasure to talk to you, Howard. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, Chris, you're a great host. Thank you. Take care.
Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.